It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Boring from Musketeer Report. Fellas, uh, we are here for another month. We're getting closer to where we're going to start doing this every week, but we still, we're kind of in our summer break mode. Although, Chad Brendel, you and I have been working a lot of training camp football-wise. You obviously on the college front, me on the pro front. How are things going training camp-wise? It's training camp. I, I'm at, uh, today was the day off. I've done 14 of the last 16 days I've been at camp. So uh, there's not a lot of basketball in my brain right now, but I'm going to try to dig some back up. I think uh, you can do it. I think I can do it, too. I, I will say, we got to work on another sponsor. I, did you know that Eli's Barbecue opened a spot in Kroger Newport? Eli's Barbecue That's opened right a spot by in you, buddy. Newport Kroger? Yeah, that's bad news. Eli's Barbecue opened a spot in Newport Kroger. Correct. Yes. Eli's Barbecue. Eli's. Yes. Eli's Barbecue. Yes. Yeah. Just making sure. Yes. There we go. Is that enough? That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Eli's Barbecue. It is very good, by the way. Yeah, I, I had some. Today was the first time I went. I went and pulled pork sandwich, two sides, 10 bucks. Can't, can't beat it. It was pretty good. No drink? Uh, I just got a Polar Pop. Okay. That's, that's, that's it's literally like a Kroger's deal. Like the, the fried chicken, you just order it, they put it in a thing, and they send you off, and you just pay for it at the register. I like how that works. Yeah. That's outstanding how that works. You can uh, walk out with it if you want. Let's talk some, <laughs> well, you probably shouldn't do that. Right, let's talk some summer basketball. I'll start with you, Rick Boring, because we talked a little bit of uh, a little bit of football camp for just literally a brief minute. Um, talk about Xavier and what things are going on here so far in the, in the offseason. Um one recruit who was kind of on their radar chose Iowa. I'm not so sure C.J. Frederick was completely on their radar. They made a couple of those interesting offers um, to a couple of local guys here in the, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's, I really don't know what to say about either one of those offers because – Well, let, let, let's, let's say who they are. J- Jackson Hayes and Mo- yeah. at Moeller and uh, Jake Walter from Covcath both and are – And it is, by the way, it's Walter, people. I, I, I see There's people, no S. There's no S. Just it's not, for it's those not Kroger's. Keep, for those Kroger. that keep writing it, it is Walter Enquirer. Walter without an S. Go ahead. Well, they they lost a high school beat writer on the That's Kentucky side not they too did. long ago, so they're scrambling a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Um, that guy stunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but Hayes at Moeller, I mean, really didn't get on the floor much during the high school season. Um, hadn't been really productive during the spring, but now he's a guy that high majors are falling all over themselves to recruit. So I really don't know what to say about that because I haven't seen him produce at that type of level. Right. Uh, but coaches really want him, and that includes Xavier. I think they're in a decent position. Um, he could be a four or a five at the next level, I think. And then uh, Jake Walter is a guy who I think you look at him, and if uh, my guess is what the, the staff looks at and sees is, like, Sean O'Mara's worked out enough here, and this guy is very similar at that stage but much bigger. He's three inches bigger. So right. I think and that's thicker. Yeah, and I think that's what they probably see. They think he moves his feet well enough in the same way Sean O'Mara does well enough that you can have him on the floor, and he does some other things probably better than Sean at the same age. So I think that's where they're going with that, and I don't know how either one will play out, to be honest with you, but they're certainly recruiting both pretty hard at this point. Uh, and obviously you're not going if, if push can to shove you're not trying to get both if you're trying to get you're trying to get one of the two right maybe well i mean they're very different players it, you know if you if you wanted both you could theoretically take both now i don't think i would do that personally and feel very good about it because you've got two kids who are a long way away from being productive college basketball players and you're taking both of them for the ultimate upside down the road at some point point. and i think both k 
case scenarios, you would look at them as a basically a red shirt type of guy. Even right. if they don't necessarily red shirt, you would think they're not coming in as freshmen and being ready to to give you 20 minutes a game or anything like that. Um, so I, I really don't know how it'll play out with those two. But like you could play. I think a lot of people are kind of leaning towards Hayes being more of a four uh, if he reaches his potential because he can step out a little bit more. He really moves his feet well. He runs the court very well. So I think they envision him maybe being a, a four man in a big lineup or a really mobile rim protecting five. And it must be said on both of these kids, this is maybe the worst class for bigs I've seen in the 10 years I've been doing this. There's, I, yeah, I there's very, very little out there. So what you got is teams looking at guys like these two yeah, a legit, and, a and legit. trying to project what might be in three years after a red shirt and a year on the bench in year three, what are they going to look like? Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say, I mean, Jake Walter has transformed his body. He was a he was a yeah, chunky kid but they're for not. A couple I years. mean, but but he but he's in a deep class. These but, guys would be quite right. a bit farther down the list. Yeah, yeah, but but he's done that. And if you do it another couple three years, as you mentioned, by the time you look up, he's a sophomore with a transformed body. Jackson Hayes has probably even right now, as we speak, a seven one wingspan. So there, there are some things they're just not even close to no. being even polished. I'm not sure they're polished high school players. Let alone polished They're college not. players. We haven't seen polish from either of them right. yet in high school. Right. But um, but but that's you, the fun of July. You, you can't teach you us. Have, you have a good two weeks in July, and all of a sudden, Alonzo Gaffney goes from everybody thought he was absolutely terrible, and now he's going to be a five-star right. prospect in 2019. And I, I think that's the big thing when you talk about these two kids and what they've done for themselves is it's they saw an, they saw an opportunity that everyone in the country has, and they took advantage of it in a way, and a lot of other prospects didn't, and now they're getting recruited by high major schools that, you know, three months ago, if you said that, I, I think most people would have laughed at you. Yeah. What else has gone on with Xavier here so far in the, in the, in the offseason the last uh, few weeks since we've last talked? Yeah, well, I think with most colleges, you know, everyone's back, you're getting into workouts, and and summer workouts are one of those things where, I mean, quite honestly, everyone's going to look good, right? Correct. I mean, you're, going, you're right. going through workouts. There's no defense. Um, everyone feels pretty good about where their team is at at this point. I'd say the two things I've heard that have really stood out to me the most are that Elias Harden, it, they really Love like him. what they've seen from him. Um, he's shooting the ball, especially from three, even better than they expected. And that's kind of one of the reasons they were excited about him was he's got a good jump shot, especially from the mid-range. Um, when I talked to some of the other players who played with him at the World Series podcast that I did recently, they said the same thing. Is uh, th- What stood out to them is he's got a mid-range game that not a lot of guys have. It's kind of a rare game. And two, uh, they really love playing with him, which says to me he knows how to play. He shares the ball well. And I think you would agree he was a guy you liked a lot. I loved him. And that's sort of what stood out back in the day was he wasn't the most athletic. He was more smooth, but he really knew how to play and knew what he was doing. You know, it's funny, and we'll get to the UC stuff here in a little bit, but him and Trevor Moore kind of had similar scouting reports coming in that they were kind of one-dimensional shooter-type guys. And both reports from them as they've gotten here is they know how to play. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, that's that's a good thing on that that shooter type that you're talking about. A lot of the reasons that guys go – coaches go away from that is those guys are one-dimensional. They can't defend. They can't really put it on the deck. They're not great passers, feel for the game. It's just put them in a spot and let them bang a three. It sounds like Harden is showing that that he's got a, quite a bit more to his game, and well, and, and, well, and Harden was worse than the same for UC. Harden was much different from Moore in the sense that he's more Moore, athletic. Well, Moore was Moore was re- recruited as a shooter, a three point shooter, a guy who was a knockdown three point shooter. No one really thought that about Harden. They were like, he can shoot enough from the outside, I but he was pretty good. But they, but he was more of a scorer, yeah. you know, like a scorer who got I to just the mid range shot and really liked it. Yeah, and I think that what's really stood out since he's been on campus is that he is shooting the three ball really well in workouts, and if that translates onto the court, and he becomes 
becomes a knockdown type of shooter, well, then it really changes things and helps them out in this 2018 class because they were thinking, we've got to find some shooting to replace Trayvon right, Blewett right. and J.P. Makira and something to go with all these big athletic guards we have that can get in the lane. Everyone's just going to sag off us and play a zone if we don't have a guy who can shoot. And they haven't exactly found <laughs> that in the 2018 class yet, but maybe if Elias Harden is that guy, then you don't have to worry about it nearly as much. I really like that kid a lot. Well, and, and it's funny. Know how to play guy. It, it, it's not a tangible. It's something you, you, you either you know can, how to play or you don't. And you can't pick up on that the first time. You got to no. watch a guy a few times and go, okay, he just made the right pass at the well, right like, time. He made the right decision. He made the, he took the shot when he needed to take it. He faked the three and got to the mid range. He faked the three got to the rim he t- you got to watch that a lot and that sometimes is really hard to define well and like with trevor moore the, the difference is on his aau team he had four other high major guys on his team doing different things his job was legitimately right. stand in the corner and shoot the three like you didn't get but a you chance get, but the example you get pigeonholed and right. that's what you do and right. there's probably more if, and if, when you hope there's more to that game when he got to campus it was like within the first two to three workouts it was like wait a minute this kid's got some more stuff to him that some of it, I'm sure, was his prep year at South Kent because uh, they had a coach there that has been a college assistant for a long time and has been around the game that I think helped him out. But the kid just has a good feel for the game. He knows how to play, and I got that sense from like I agree that they're different type of players, but I always got – that's why I liked Harden because he always just kind of felt like he had a, a high IQ. He knew how to play. Yeah, I liked his jump shot. I liked his athleticism getting into the lane. He looked a little thin. Yeah, he's uh, still back thin. then. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen him, so I don't know what he looks like now. But he just knew how to use his body. He was. He wasn't a, afraid to go into the rim and take contact. Um, I, I that that was a kid that I know that for for good reason. Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall got all the hype in that recruiting class. But I I was a big Elias Harden guy uh, throughout last summer. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of those things, the know-how-to-play guy, is one of the things that is best scouted by fellow players, by peers. Yep. Because, yeah, because yeah. that's what you hear from them is they pick up on those little subtleties that they have or like, this guy knows when I'm open or knows where I am on the court and knows I, he should have hit me on that roll or that pick and pop or whatever. And I think when you hear that from players, it's that. And the other thing is he finishes off the shots when I put him in well, position that, to score that, as right, well. Correct. And my guess is Elias is doing both when I hear that type of feedback. Yeah. Right, and, well, and, and then the other thing, I, I said there were two things. The other one was I'm hearing the same exact thing about Najee Marshall, and it's even more so, I think, on that side of the players really seem to like playing with him i've heard i can see that too. you know the coaches really liked him when they were recruiting him he was a top 50 kid for a reason same thing with paul scruggs they expected those two kids to look really ready and they have but but the feedback i'm getting from the players is they really like playing with Najee marshall and that doesn't surprise me because he's such a good pass well, yeah he was like a six seven point guard and at he was times. and the other thing is super competitive yeah. really competes on defense and older guys like that when a freshman comes sure. in comes into open gym and he doesn't want to goof around he doesn't want to get tired he wants his team to win through those six or seven pickup games that you play in a row and i guess that's what he's showing off right now no i think those i think that that, that again it's an intangible thing but those i think those things are real important i think um, got differentiators several guys in this class that have that yeah and i think scruggs to an extent on the more uh, on the competitiveness side because he always came across to me as a kid that was super competitive well and that was his best skill is how hard he plays yeah. i mean he, he, he just never saw him despite always being a guy that was well known and, and a highly thought of recruit you never saw him taking plays off or give, have a game where he just didn't give it and that's why he was such a highly regarded recruit really i mean mm-hmm. there aren't many guys like that but when like when you break down his game he didn't shoot it real well that's his best skill it, it, it was by far you know, he, he he can get in the lane but he's not like 
super slippery off the pick and roll, or there's not like he wasn't greatly skilled. Like no. he wasn't a great passer. He wasn't. He a just ref- played his ass. He off. turned the ball over a little too much. Wasn't like a refined point guard, and certainly not known as a shooter. I think he's shooting better than they maybe expected. But again, it's, but it's workouts. workouts. We'll right. see. But the other thing that's really interesting about him is he comes in as a freshman guard at over 225 pounds, yeah, and he's a guy that they're trying to slim at, down. At six three with a six ten wingspan. Right, and he's not like a guy who's chubby or fat or anything like that. So Spit. even even though he's jacked, they're actually trying to slim him down now and be like, okay, don't hit the weights too hard. We need to get you down a few more pounds, maybe play around 205, 210, something like yeah. that. Maybe he can be Charles Barkley Jr. He was only 6'4 <laughs> when he played, so who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see it. Let's talk about uh, UC and, and what's gone in the last few weeks offseason-wise. Um, I've been really impressed with all four freshmen, and this class is exactly why recruiting rankings, quote-unquote, don't mean really much of anything. Um, they had some guys that just weren't seen, and they had a guy that, that was pigeonholed as a one-dimensional guy. And Trevor Moore, he was only a, you know, he was seen as only a shooter. And then uh, Ellie, I'm, I'm not going, Elio, Nassimi, whatever, Ellie. He's just going to be Ellie from Ellie. here on out. Okay. I'm just I calling him Ellie. Big e. No, just Ellie. Okay. Ellie There's only one Big E. Man. Yeah. Elvin Hayes. There's only one Big E. Fair um, enough. <laughs> Ellie played in Canada. He only That's played. school guy of the day, in case you're wondering. Go ahead. He only played two events in America uh, in AAU, so no, none of the national guys saw him. And then Mamadou Diara didn't play, you right. know, in front of a whole lot of national acclaim. Now he was committed to Washington, and some people knew who he was. But if they didn't get honest evaluations on those guys, then the recruiting class is going to suffer, and fans freak out because, oh my God, we've got the 50th ranked recruiting class. Yeah, you know me. I, I've said I'm the I've, same way. I'm I don't. But this is that. why. Look, that, look, when you get to the top ten, that's pretty. Yeah, you, you can jumble it a little bit. But like, okay, Xavier but, had a great recruiting class last year. They deserve praise right, for that. They right. had a fantastic class. They put together a good group. But after that, like, I think UC is going to have four guys that are going to be really, really beneficial to the program. Um, all four have come in and, and competed. Uh, Ellie is still a little bit raw, well, a lot raw offensively. But it got to the point by the end of workouts, he plays so hard that he would start to, like, work guys for rebounds. And they would be like, come on, man. It's the summer. Come on, man. It's the summer, dude. Like, uh, Nasir Brooks, the, the first day that Ellie came, uh, was cleared to work out. Um, Nasir Brooks, who was a good rebounder, a big physical 6'11 kid, he goes to box out Ellie. Nazir's on defense. Ellie's on offense. He goes to box him out, and he has to work so hard keeping him away from the rim that Jaron Cumberland three times just walked right in to where Nazir was supposed to be, grabbed the rebound, and laid it in because he was in hand-to-hand combat but, but you know the, with the, this kid. And the part of that is it, it, it trickles down to either yeah. the guy who's getting his ass kicked and then to other guys because coaches start to notice that, right. say something about that, and then you've got a choice as a player. You play that hard, guess what? You can sit next to me all day and, 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 and enjoy the game from the bench. It's not, it's not a hard thing. And that was the crazy thing. Like, Nazir's a guy that plays hard. And That's coach, one of the things he's known for. And then as a coach, you don't have to constantly beg to no. play hard. Play hard. Well, you go, he's playing his ass off, he's playing his ass off, and that's why you two are sitting here. And the no. thing about him and, and Mamadou both, they're both, they fly up and down the floor. And they're both, Mamadou's 6'9 and a half, Ellie's probably 6'8. Um, good wing Long strides, there, yeah. Well, they're both, Ellie's going to be a five. No, but my point is good wing finishers coming oh, off yeah, the yeah, wing yeah, on the yeah, break, yeah. 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 So I, I've been really impressed, and like I said, Trevor Moore, um, more than a shooter. I, the thing that, that really hurt Trevor is he he's not bouncy. Like, his athleticism isn't vertical. It's horizontal. Um, so he's an, actually a really, really good defender. 
and he moves his feet well, and he's got good hips, and he's a guy that can stay in front of people. Uh, you know, he had either Evans or Cumberland pretty much all summer, and was able to guard those guys efficiently. And for a freshman, that's not something you expect, especially when you get that label that you're not athletic. Well, yeah, he's not vertically athletic, but he's he was a football player. He played right. safety. He had had Big Twelve looks from teams as a safety. So he's got good lateral movement. He just didn't jump out of the gym, so everybody thinks, well, he's not a good athlete. Right. Yeah. If if he can defend like that, what do you think his prospects are to help this this coming season? I mean, a lot of that's going to come down to the battle between him and Keith Williams. I think they're both going to be ready to play. Really? Um, you know, and it, I'm talking to a source, quote unquote, read between the lines here about Trevor, if there was any, like, red shirt or, or not red shirt um, situation with him. And the, the source said, well, if we're playing Central Florida and they've got Taco Fall in the middle and we can't get anything at the rim, if my best shooter is in street clothes on the bench, yeah, I should be fired. Counterproductive. That, that's, that's not using my roster properly. Right. Yeah. So I, I think there's a very good chance that he's going to see time and play. I, Keith Williams is fantastic. He's as good as we thought, everybody thought he was going to be coming in. Um, here's a crazy one for you, Skinny. When Keith Williams got here, they tested his vertical leap. It was the, you know, the standing well, one foot on the bar. The, yeah. He touched 11, six and a half, almost 11, seven the first time. Five weeks later when they did it again, 12 foot one. Holy cow. Seven inch improvement in his vertical leap in five weeks. What's the top of the square? 12. 12. 12 yeah, yeah. I think. He's 12 foot one. Holy cow. That's getting up there. I mean, and that's some improvement. The right kid's there. a big time athlete. Well, okay, so along those lines, and we're way, way early for this question. Yeah. Probably, but but depth wise, how? Because this team, as you talked about, it's wants to get up deep. and go. Uh, can can you get to over ten deep, or is it can it get to ten deep and be be happy no, with I the think ten? You're legitimately looking at two legit deep at every position because you've got Kane Broom and Justin Jennifer at right, point guard. Right. You've got Evans and Cumberland at the two and three, and then Moore and Williams backing them up. And then you've got six guys down low. You've got Washington and Clark. Right. And then you've got Nizier Brooks and Trey Scott. And then you've got Quadri Moore. Actually, you've got seven guys. You've got Quadri Moore. Right. And then you've got the two freshmen, Ali and Mamadou. So, I mean, in terms of depth, this by far the deepest and, and potentially most talented team Mick has had. Again, I'm way early with this. Would, would Mick commit to going with that kind of depth, or do you think he settles on a very tighter rotation? With Kane at point guard, the entire focus of the summer has been run push. and press. Yeah, push. And, it's, and, press, and it seems like press, even in the past, uh, he's one of two. He hasn't had the players. Right, right, right. He I'm seems not like it. I just yeah. He seems like a guy who's been more than willing to go to his bench and even give guys that that Didn't aren't deserved to play right, exactly more of a chance than you would think. So I. I would guess he's the type of guy that's willing to do that if he has the right person. And who knows? Maybe he's with. wanted to do that. I he mean, has that, wanted yeah. to. Well, right. This is what I've tried to explain to people for like 10 years. In order to play fast, you need players that are fast. No doubt. I mean, yeah, no, and that's the funny part. You, well, you, you have one style you want to play, but if your personnel is not playing fast. Right. Well, but, but, but let's be honest to an extent. You've been trying to explain it for 10 years because Mick hasn't recruited the players to play that style. Yeah, for I, I think that. So, yeah, so like, at a certain I, point, you, you've got to say, did. look, this is not his style if you're going to keep recruiting players that can't play that way. I, I you think know he did with Cash. And then day one of practice as a freshman, he blows out his knees, never the same. That changed him completely. Completely as a player with Troy, I completely agree. 
because that Troy was a bigger physical walking up guard. Walking up guard. That's what he was. Now he tried to with Justin Jennifer, but I think Justin Jennifer's not a, a speed like straight ahead speed guy. He's more of a little jitterbug, it, shifty. It was his consistency level. In the I truck. mean, he's just yeah, not a starter. He's just not, no, he's not. Exactly. But but as a backup to Kane for yeah. fifteen minutes, he's going to be really good. Right. Um, but now he has that in place, and I think Kane has kind of been the final piece of this puzzle that he's been looking for to play like he did when he was at Murray State. That's how they yeah. played when he was at Murray State. They averaged like 83 points a game. But I think he didn't think in the Big East that it would work because teams weren't going to let you play like that. And that's fair. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't no, even I'm criticize just, no, that no, style at all. I don't think you are. I, I, just, I just think there's like, I've, I've heard that consistently is that like, well, you got to have the right players. And it's like, well, you are in control of that, yes, so you're absolutely. clearly recruiting to play a certain style that's not really fast. And I think his defensive, his attention to the effort level on the defense is always going to prohibit them a little bit from playing as fast as some people well, like on offense. Opponents aren't going to score on them in 15 seconds. Well, I agree. Exactly. And there's, I agree. That, there's that trust factor. You trust the guy to play on that end of the floor, and that's where your focus is, and that works. And you can't trust a guy who maybe can push a pace, do some things. If you can't trust him on that end... Can't play him. Yeah, and uh, it's just I this season's it. so interesting to me because UC is good. Like, there's no question yes. about that. They're yes. they're good going into How the season. Good? They're going to be good. Well, and, and not and just can that. they sustain that level of that that style of play, and will it play out the way it, yeah. it's pictured? What well, happens I'm, when they get to conference play? Correct. Everything slows down correct. a little bit. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm just interested to see how much do they shift things because they're in a good spot going in. Uh-huh. If they do exactly what they did last year, Kane Broom is a different type of player, obviously. How much do they change because of him? I think I'm, it's going to be a lot, and then I'm, I'm super interested to see that. Like, how does Mick coach in that in that environment? You know, because yeah. that, that's different. Yeah, no question. Well, I mean, there's a perfect example. There's been there's at least one or two times every workout where what they did this summer because they've got this is the first time I think there's one other time he had 13 guys, but Jamari Strickland only lasted like five days. And then they were back down to 12. But what he did, and I think you would like this, is instead of going five on five with three guys always sitting out, he went four on four teams. I like that a lot. And only one team had five. So one team had a guy that sits out. And basically, winner stays, loser goes on you would do like two possessions each. I love it. Winner stays, loser goes. The other four come on. And he, it was really effective, I thought, this summer to keep guys. Everybody was constantly and, moving. And also, they changed the teams up well, every day. And also learning, you're going to play with this different right. combination, that different combination. You may play three hard possessions. I'm going to yank you, and this Knicks group's going in. Get used to understanding it. Maybe a three-possession game for you, five, whatever. I'm throwing but, a number out there. Right. But, yeah. but what would happen with Kane is you'd see a team, and I talked about this some when he was in practice last year. They'd work you know, 15, 17 seconds off the shot clock, get a shot, make it. And four seconds later, Kane is at the other end right, laying it up. Right, and that it just changes totally everything. It changes. That's if, if if they add three to four baskets a game like that. Oh, I think you can add more than that. Actually, but I'm saying right no, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm low ending it. If they add three to four baskets a game like that. You're going from 72 to 80. Well, but but you're also increasing defensive possessions as well. Yeah, yeah right. but, I'm, but the, I'm not talking about the I, defensive I know, side. Right. I'm saying, I know. But if, if Mick Cronin's team averages 80 points, they're, how many games are they going to lose? They're, they're not going to lose very many. That's a fact. They, uh, no the doubt. Defensive possessions aside, you're right. they're not giving up 80 unless Lonzo Ball is on the other yes. end. Yeah. And, and you would think the uh, some of the complaints from the fans would – like some of the things that people have been complaining about, it's like, well, what are you going to say now? Because yeah. – 
And then you know what you're going to find out? That the shooting background of BB&T, BB&T Arena is the best they've ever had, and they want to keep playing there forever and ever and ever. See? It's going to change the whole dynamic. Hey, we know it. some people at NKU might be able to get them a deal. Exactly. Hey, I do want to touch on um, – we, we've done a couple of videos. I know there's the uh, – I think UC just sent one out about a week or so ago, if I'm not mistaken, on the, the renovation and how, how things are going. It's crazy inside there. It's empty. I mean, it's gutted to the studs. Now they're, they're starting the construction phase. Uh, I think last week, I haven't been on campus all week because I've been at higher ground, um, except for Nippert yesterday. But it's gutted. I mean, it's, it's wild what, what, look. And I, I, I should, what is the time frame for completion to finally go, okay, we got a chance to get people in there? November. Right up to the, right up to the nub. Okay, so right up yeah. to the nub. Okay. I, I think they should be in pretty good shape right. for that, but that'll be finishing touches yeah. and making sure the suites and all that stuff are all taken care of. But the demolition phase, from my understanding, is either done or very, very, very right. close to done. Right. Because, like I said, you can stand, like, if you're walking into the lender center and you look to the right, you can see straight through. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy to think of. Yeah. It's it, crazy it, to think it's of. It's all gone. Yeah. Everything. Yep. Um, I know Rick's excited. There's going to be a new media room. There's going to be a new dining it, area. It, it is truly, and I don't cover a lot of UC games. It's just because of my schedule and what I do. But but it might it be one of the sad. smallest in the history of America. Yeah. Yeah. By, well, by far. especially like you get a shootout in there. Where there's actually people that usually aren't. Yeah, Which it, is really the only national, time I'm worried about it. Yes, yeah. correct. Because there's national media, and then suddenly it's, it, it, gets, it gets very yeah. crazy. There's, there's new media area, which will be nice, and new I, locker rooms for the men and women. And I don't feel like I'll be the only media member in town that's happy about UC. In no, fact, I, I feel th- like I'll be down the list on people who are happy <laughs> because there's a lot of people who use Those it a lot there, more than right, I yeah, do. That are there regularly. Present, there's yeah, more of them. And, <laughs> It can't be construed as a good situation. So. You, you and I, about a month ago, went to, to Xavier's renovation. We have not been back since, but I know they've got to be coming close because they do want to have volleyball inside Cintas Center, and that's obviously coming up. Yeah, and they clearly like, – they didn't have the, the court in there and stuff when we went, right. but they've got all that back in. They've been using it for workouts and everything. Now, they still got it pushed up a little bit because they're doing the, the loft on the one side right. and putting in those right, new right, right. seats and everything, but they've got a lot of, a lot of work done. They're, uh, they're getting close for sure. They had to get it done. St. Ursuline's already booked for this season. <laughs> It's a, it's a nice option. What is that seat, by the way? Enough. Hang on, just say enough. enough. You know, did you see what the AAC did with the schedule? I did not. Guess who's not coming to Cincinnati this year? Oh, UConn. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes sense. Enough. That's, that's enough. all I can tell you enough. is enough. Um, I do want to get on to NKU because I know you've you've talked a little bit uh, with some of their staff about, about workout stuff. But it, um, Sources. Sources, yeah. But um, I said some. You didn't, you didn't have to mention who they are. Yeah, no, I know. But um, – and this means really nothing, but I thought it was interesting. One of the Las Vegas sports books has readjusted their odds to win the national championship. And, and this is not based on their opinion always. Their initial ones are and where they think the betting money is going to go. But this, some of this is the betting money. Xavier has somehow flip-flopped with UC, moved ahead of UC. I think they're 60-1 to 1 to win it all. UC is now 100-1. to 1. And I only ask that because it is my mind like, well, what, what, what would have changed? Was, was Xavier at 100-1 to 1 before? I believe they were – I, I think they were 80. Both at 80. I think they were both 80. If and I'm Xavier went yeah. up and UC went back. Yeah. Now, the question is where was Trayvon Blewett's decision? Yeah, and I, I thought, and that, I thought that was initially made – before Trayvon, but then I kept thinking maybe it was made after Trayvon, but maybe there's your answer right there, potentially. I think that's part of it. It now, could be that. I was going to say, if they were at 100 before, maybe people just saw a good deal on the betting money's really yeah, changed. Yeah, that's possible. But, like, 
Other than that, I mean, the only thing you can you can look at and say is maybe just that Xavier was in the Elite Eight last year and yeah. they returned pretty much everything, yeah. so maybe people saw it as a good deal. Other than that, I don't really see anything that would make sense. And this will allow us to touch on Kentucky for just a minute, but Kentucky has, is now the, the favorite, which seems... Till tomorrow. Seems a little bit of a stretch to me that, that they've been bet down to the favorite till tomorrow. this quickly. All right, what happens tomorrow? Say it. Marvin Bagley's going to probably commit yeah. to Duke. Yeah. And that puts Duke at number one fairly easily. Yeah. No, Generational I, player, Marvin Begley. Is he that good? Yeah. Have you seen him at all? Mm-hmm. It's, for me, 6'11", can handle, can shoot, can defend, runs the floor like a deer. Like, that's where basketball – Marvin Begley is where basketball is going. He's good. He's incredible for me. Rick might not agree, but uh, – No, I, it's not that I don't agree. I just – to, to a certain extent, it's like how many of these generational talents no. are there going to be? You know what I mean? And like, I don't throw that around lightly. I, mean, yeah, I, know, I know you don't. don't. And then well, I, I believe said it is Anthony Davis. And I believe you believe it. All I'm saying is like I, see, I, I haven't seen Anthony, enough of him to believe it. It's funny. You, see, the, I think the term is loose. and I, I, Your point's well, well taken. Generational guys, to me, LeBron is a generational guy. I think Anthony Davis is a generational guy. I don't. I think Anthony Davis is a tremendous player, generational. Generational to me that, is that's that, in semantics. That's yeah. in the definition. It is, right. It is. Where, that, Anthony it, Davis is look, a lock all-star for the next 10 years. Absolutely. And well, has well, a chance to be an MVP and multiple more, times. And more importantly, he completely changed everything at the college level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was a... No, yeah, that's extraordinarily a general, generational player to me. I, I'm fine with that. And yeah, the person I said before Anthony Davis was Kevin Durant. So those are that's now, my now, line. Now he's closer to me just because he's a seven. And he's also that had do five more years yeah. than Anthony Davis. That's, but, that's fair. But and my thinking in that is those three got those two guys, and I think Bagley is next in line. Changed the game the way that that kids play the game. The way kids that are six eleven play the game. Yeah, they're not down on the block. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's just been that evolution. And I think Marvin Bagley's next. I, I, and, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying you are wrong at all. I just I haven't seen enough of him to like be totally convinced. This See, is. The I watched guy. him a bunch. Just, yeah, you watched back you when watched him he was uh, with, when it was we all can go mm-hmm. when he was a rising sophomore. Yeah, and I watched that group a bunch come up. And saw him more than he did because he wasn't out as much that year. Um, and I just fell in Are love they with him. There's no question he could They play. were in yeah. Nashville, yeah. The team fell apart. And yeah, they had a team at well, my level. Begley moved to Arizona, and yeah. they wouldn't let him play with them because um, the state's don't right. border or right. whatever. They right. had to create a team in Arizona for Begley. Everything fell apart. Another kid that's on that I love that used to be on that group is Darius Garland, who's a five-star point guard as nice. well. Nice. He was fun to watch, too. But that's... If if Begley does go 2017 and end up at Duke, I think Duke's number one. I'm a segue, which is a good thing. That's a good thing they didn't go on their trip. Well, then that segues into that, and then we'll get to NKU. Um, Duke has canceled its trip to the Dominican Republic because Coach K is is not able to go. I, I, I just I guess I have to. Ask, what what difference does it make if he goes or doesn't go? I don't think it really does would, make a difference. Would you have some film on that trip? Would you have some assistance that would be on that trip? No, be here's, here's the you, difference. Would, no, I'm going to tell you the difference. All right, please do. The reason the team the, – like, people think the, the teams go on these things because they get to go on the trip. Not true. The reason the teams schedule these trips, and you're only allowed once every four right, years, right. is that you get ten full practices before you get to go on the trip. So, basically, instead of starting in October, your season starts in mid-August. Right. So – Coach K decided to do this, at, I think, after the second or third practice. He wasn't going to be able to conduct any of the other seven practices. And? So basically what they did is they – well, 
you only get one every four years. They're going to bank it, and I bet they do a trip next year where he's there for all, all right. 10 th- practices. Then that begs the next question. How much longer is this cat coach then? Good question. Fair. To him, I'm sure he thinks it's going to be a while. He's making, what, five, six a year? Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's a more relevant point to Chad's point is if you had to wait another four years, he might not make another yeah, trip. Yeah, he might like not this. get another so he's trip. he's like, I might as well get, get the opportunity. But that's 100% what happened here. It's all about the fact that he couldn't do the rest of the practices, no so they scrapped the whole trip. No doubt. Uh, just... Because him being there on the trip means absolutely nothing. You're playing bench warmers. Yeah, like half we've of talked the... to our You win those by like 100. About those trips multiple times. And all they talk about is the practices. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it, it, that's the whole thing, like, go to a bowl game. The bowl game is, is, is the 15 practices. It's the 15 practices, absolutely. That's why teams hate. The, one of the biggest things that coaches hate is being one of those December 16th bowl 16th games. Because it, it gets you nothing. You get, get you five practices right. and you're done. Right. We talk about a lot of stupid stuff during basketball season. I'm not talking about us specifically. I'm just talking about media members in general. There's us, too. There's, us too, for sure. <laughs> no doubt. There's no doubt. There are a lot of terrible things written and terrible headlines, but I honest to God think this situation might have brought about the worst we'll see all season. And this, this happened I, in August. And um, Sporting News, which, again, uh, a lot of times the writer doesn't write the headlines. No doubt. Although in the digital age, in the digital things age, you have write, changed. You write more of them. So I, don't I know. used to be able to blame the headline writer. Now it's like, no, nah, man, that was me. I, 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 that was my headline. I don't know who we're pinning this on at Sporting News, whether it's Mike DeCourcy who wrote the article or an editor there. But – I read, Mike Krzyzewski's need for new knee costs Duke trip, but maybe saves season. What are you talking about? <laughs> Look, it, it, many know Mike DeCourcy is a friend of mine. I love Mike. I, I love Mike. He is How fantastic. many pages do you think he has in the mix biography? <laughs> not as far as Goodman is on Max. But, no, but, not as far. But pretty probably. If Goodman's on page 350, or I mean, uh, DeCourcy's on like 250 yeah. probably. Um Love Mike. I read that article and I went, are you bleeping kidding me? Mike. Mike. Come on. In today's clicky age, you were just looking for the click. Oh, I mean, you clickbait 7, At 10, least. 15 times a week. I do. I do. You know how, like, I want, like, I know I, you're doing it on purpose, so nope. I don't, but I want to mock you on the internet. I'm like, okay with it. Four times a week because of your clickbaity, like, three thumbs down for the Bengals' first drive right. in the exhibition game right. where they got to the one and, and then, threw an interception. And the idiot threw an interception. Three so, thumbs down. Yeah. Like, that was no, it was one, one and a half. One of the three. No, it was one of the uh, three. Okay. Well, the, 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 the headline made it sound like yes. you gave all three thumbs no, down to a drive of, where they went three, 80 yards. Three, three different. That was one of the three. So there Clickbait. It is. I didn't well, click. See, 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 I didn't read it. I'm, I'm okay with clickbait. This isn't even it's clickbait. clickbait. It's this just is bad. just ridiculously lame. And I, like, what the hell are you talking about? He right. saved season well, by getting Somebody that doesn't know what happened, they see that. And they go, oh, my God, what happened? Right. But then – and this is – Mike put this quote in. This is from Coach K. I'll have enough time to be ready to go full speed in practice. What the hell does that mean? Where are you going that needs to be full speed? Have you ever seen Rick Majerus coach? Bob All Huggins. Right, RIP in peace. But have you ever seen Bob Huggins or Rick Majerus coach? They sit on a stool during the games. And Rick Majerus' junk hangs out, and it's not good. Rick Majerus, when he came in for uh, – when Z- Xavier used to play in the A-10, when he came in in his later years to SLU to do – you know, the day before game, right. they practice on the court of the, of the home team. So they're out there at Xavier, and he requested to have a rolling chair brought out onto the Centos floor so he could no, you run can, the yeah, practice. Yeah, you can and do that. And from Pompelius. <laughs> <laughs> well, he took care of that himself, but someone had to By get him a rolling chair. Yes. But – Bob Huggins, when he stands up, has a heart attack. And rubs it off. It's just still one of my favorite moments in sports history. <laughs> Him rubbing away a heart attack last year was incredible. 
Guys thought he died. If he looked at the guy that, that turned it said over right before and said, you almost killed me. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I, I've heard uh, some stories from this weekend. I can only imagine. Because, oh, speaking of which, let's touch on that for a minute. They did have the reunion weekend. I um, didn't go. I'm assuming you didn't have a chance to go, no, unfortunately. I was busy. You did. You were there, obviously, for the reunion um, during the basketball yeah. season, which was which was really cool. Didn't have Hugs. Didn't have Nick. Didn't right. have Eric Martin. Right. They did. Uh, I know Hugs did a video. I think Nick did a video, right? They all did right? videos. They did, yeah. oh, they all, so at least I knew those two guys did. But but uh, it sounded like a really cool cool circumstance. They, yeah. I think, the, is there a golf outing? Is it tomorrow? Um, I don't know. There was a thing at uh, Montgomery Inn on Saturday. Yeah, I, think I think they have a golf thing. But okay. Anyway. I, that, um, on Monday, is golf, charity maybe. Yeah. I know a bunch of those guys have to get back to their yep. regular lives and work and whatever. But um, I heard the uh, the after party and hugs VIP suite was um, a good one. Yeah, they probably had water and, and cupcakes, Gatorade, and some milk, right? Milk cookies, yeah. Gatorade for hydration. Probably everybody, everybody shut it, shut it down about midnight, probably. I think that's when they started. I just like to know what this Wood, Woodford Reserve is. They speak of what? What is that? It's a. Uh, it's a uh, Flavored, flavored water aged in oak barrels. I think. Ooh, that doesn't sound delicious at all. <laughs> it really doesn't. Think they had any of that at that party? I, actually, I heard that the the what they had was more expensive than the Woodford wow. Reserve. They had that. the uh, high end stuff Woodford's brought out for the end. little pappy, <laughs> old pappy, yeah, old pappy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Woodford's what like? I wasn't calling it little pappy like it was a rapper. I was saying they had a little pappy. They had a, little, uh, they had they a drank Woodford's a what? They had like a lot of pappy. Forty, I guess. forty a fifth or whatever. Forty five a yeah. fifth. I'm hearing they were up in the $150, $200 a bottle range. And you, you can't popped cut, out the and good you can't stuff. cut that with water or, or, or soft drinks. You can't. You just drink that straight. Hey, you drink Woodford straight. Absolutely. Yeah. You heard what I the I heard somebody had some drinks with hugs after a game one day. He pulled out a 32-ounce plastic cup. He put three ice cubes in it. He filled the rest with Woodford and drank the whole damn thing. I love it. Three ice cubes. It's a, it's a man's man. That's all I can that's, tell you. That's 30 or 29 ounces now, of the only thing I tell you, No offense, those ice cubes didn't last very long. No. I didn't hear this, but I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if he had the bourbon cubes, like the, uh, okay. the steel yeah. ones that go okay. in there. That's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, but from what I heard, it was a fun time, good, good event. Good Everybody time had fun. There you go. Um, I, I'm it's not like, a big hugs guy. He wouldn't piss on UC if the place was on fire. It's like the big red machine, baby. So. Keep, keep trotting them out there until something different happens, right? Hey, Nothing I mean, wrong with it. It is what it is. That in this town, there's not a whole lot of there's success not. to go around. That's exactly right, man. Big red machine, when in doubt, trot them out. The team across town can't trot out their final four team. That's a fact. People forget that. They do. They forget that all the time. I make sure they don't. Let's talk about uh, about NKU's uh, offseason. I know John Brandon had a, uh, didn't have a lot of things to do rec- recruiting-wise. Um, but, but, he, but he's got a good group a good group coming back, and, and I, I think he's pretty high on it. Yeah, and Chris Vogt, a seven-footer. I mean, it, the good thing is he's coming into a situation where they don't need him. Yeah. Right. You know, he's not going to be asked to play before he's ready and from what i've heard they think he's going to be good down the line and really help them now does that mean this year my guess is probably not mainly because of what they have coming back he's just not going to break that well i'm gonna say i mean with, with a guy like levon holland i'm not sure a guy like that fits into the mix really i really don't he's a I long mean, lean rim running uh, I, it, they just they, they seem really good when they can they can put some guys around the perimeter and and, and let levon holland go yeah and i think what you're going to see is obviously you've got drew mcdonald who stretches the floor from right. that even though right. he's not fleet of foot at all he's going to play a lot at the five but then also i think what you're going to see is jeff garrett they're going to make him more of a big man this year and really get more athletic in the post, which I think I, I love he's that old, idea. He's only, what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, I think 6'7", six, 6'8", six, yeah. but he's a guy that, you know, they he, he can really defend and they've always kind of, because of that, they used him as more of a wing type player, I think. And this year, I think you might see him be more of a, a post presence and, and give them just that extra athleticism, which 
it, like you said, with LeVon Holland running this team and getting up and down the court and some of the other guys they've got around him, I think that'll work out really well. Uh, expectations change for them, um, but it seems like everybody gets that part of it to me, that, that they know the expectations have changed. The league has obviously changed and maybe changed for them at least for the better. Yeah, and they're not backing down from that at all. Right. You know, they're, they're making their players well aware of that something new expected of us. And, you know, you obviously don't get back to that by doing the same things you did last year. You've got to take it up a notch. But they're also, to be quite honest with you, Skinny, they're trying to figure out how to get people in the door. They want right. to sell tickets, right. and they've seen a little bit of an increase. I think season tickets this year might be up around a thousand season tickets, which is a good number Very for good anyone number, yeah. in that conference. Um, and I think that's what they're looking for, create a real home court advantage. And I'll, I'll stop you there for just a second because obviously the attendance report came out in what the last week or so, and, and everybody can look at where Kentucky is with 23,000 a game. Um, you know, Xavier's consistently selling out Cintas Center. You see, despite the issues with the arena, still, if you look across the board, their average attendance is yeah. pretty good. And then you look and you see the average attendance for, for across the board for all Division One basketball teams. Bad. Not, not bad. It was down, I think, 111 a game. But it's 4,600 is the average attendance for every game. So when you start looking at NKU and, and you sometimes see the crowd of 3,400 36 or you go, oh, they're not drawing anybody. Really, it's it's not as bad as you think it is. Would they like it to be better? And would you hope it would be better? Sure it is. But, you know, when you look across the country, there's 347 Division One basketball teams. That's a lot. Well, they really created a buzz late last year because they started right. playing well. And then they just had like three or four home games in a row where they were coming, roaring back from like a 15-point deficit in the second half to win it. Like So it, it really kind of created a buzz about how fun those games were to go to. Now they're hoping to build that season ticket base up. So you get that consistency throughout the year where when you're playing your non-conference, schedule, which sounds like it's going to, going to be a bear this year, yeah. but you play some of those other games that maybe aren't as big and teams don't know, they're not familiar with them yet because they're not in conference, can you still get a turnout for those games and create a home court advantage? They're certainly trying to do everything they can to, to make sure that plus, happens. Plus they're going to get eight 9,000 UC fans there Look at twice, 20 times. Right. So I, I think that will help. I think there will be some more fringe fans that find well, their way to I, NKU games. I think what you're going to see where, where I think it has a chance to really help is a lot of those people like Anderson, like over on the east side of Cincinnati, that they're literally 10 minutes away. Yeah, you just easy hop, in, easy out. Yeah, you, you hop on the 275 bridge at Coney, boom, you're at Northern in 10 minutes. Yep. So I, I think they've got a chance to convert some of those people. Right, I'm going to let you guys do your last second or second, but you just touched on it. I wasn't going to get to it, but I thought it was interesting. You said it. College basketball attendance is down. It's not significant, but it was down again. Um, I think 111, uh, like I said, 111 on the average. You, you start adding that up, I think it was almost a half a million people that were down. It's pretty big. Are we at the stage where TV just dominates so yeah. much of this, and we are so well, we're so inclined, and I'm one of them. I loved going to games for a long time. To me anymore, it, you really have to tug at me to go to a game that I'm not covering. Here, I think the, the old Shoemaker Center is a perfect, perfect example of this. There were 3,000 bad seats in that place, 3,000 terrible seats right. in each corner. They were, you know, above row six in each corner. They were terrible, terrible, terrible seats. No one in their right mind is going to pay to go sit in those seats and watch Bethune Cookman. When you can buy a 60 inch HD flat screen for yeah. $200 on Black Friday. Yeah. 
and sit at your house and, and drink your cold beer and, and watch on your 60-inch. And, and even if as a UC fan go, I know they're going to win this game. Oh, they only won at 92-68. I thought it was going to be 92-47. It, right. does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you're still going to you're still going to have your season ticket holders, your people that are vested that are going to be there. The casual fan anymore, though, just is not buying those bad seats. Look at Bengals games. No doubt. Look at the top corners in Bengals no games. Question. The bad seats at the, at the top the of the stadium. Reds, I mean, look at the all. Reds. They don't sell anymore. They just don't. But I guess I go back to is that we get that proliferation of TV now. It just keeps getting yeah. better See, and better but, and better. But I would argue college basketball is one of the safest in that battle because I think college basketball more than probably any other sport has has that that atmosphere elevates the the experience to a level where it, it, it's still See, to me. Football, I think I college, football college football does. Football. I think college football does. I'm not, and I'm. See, I, I just. I'm not sure basketball does that. I, I not, just, not every, not across the board. At some, I yes. see. I think football is the most vulnerable for a couple. Now, now foot, college no, football. I think NFL is vulnerable. College, yeah, NFL, very college football will never have that problem because of tailgating, and it's more yes. of an experience to get drunk Correct. at the game, but not because of the actual watching it. Oh, I because don't, I don't football, you're so far away from the play and not having that instant replay right. in HD right there. But everybody's everywhere. doing that now. Everybody, UC's putting in a brand new, right, and multi-million dollar, ten well, million dollars. That'll help, board. but it's still not. But it's still not the and same. I guess I, the but only that's what people are going to because of that. Mm. All those video boards now are instantly playing every replay, and, and they they're should. they're putting different stats and things up there. Yeah, and the only thing I will tell you is 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 when you look at the upper echelon leagues and conferences, they're still doing pretty well. You know, we're talking about an, an average of three hundred and forty-seven teams, and as we know, there are probably two hundred of them that are very stink. very small and yeah. stink and all those things. So that drags that that complete average out. It, the only thing that makes me under makes me question is how long can some of these schools sustain being division one programs uh, well, at that kind of level i'll tell you exactly how long they can okay. until the the power five decide that's enough so they're, they're by themselves and they're not doing it with yeah. the ncaa anymore yeah. and they're just going to do 16 team conferences right. a four or five whatever it is and they go to that for football right that'll be the end of a lot of schools right. that'll be competing at the division one level yeah that'll be because they just won't be able to afford it right because i mean for There's a lot not of many these, of them left in football as it is well for a lot of these schools obviously basketball realize. i mean it, 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 you're playing three to five buy games that pay for a lot of things in your program. Yeah. And and if that ever goes away, you're you're hosed. You're completely hosed. Uh, I do want to get back, and I'm sorry I cut you off. I know you want to talk a little bit more about NKU. Oh, j- just finishing up, um, Drew, Drew McDonald has lost a lost a lot of weight in the offseason. Yeah, he's he's down to 246 pounds, which, I mean, I think he was like 269. Call Jared Lorenz, and he could use his help. We're done here. <laughs> Plus, plus he'd be in a nice documentary series. No, go ahead. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Boo! He's, he's my guy. I want him to lose. I don't want him to be 527 pounds. Go ahead. <laughs> I just don't even know where to go on the Jared thing. I really like Jared. Yeah, I do, I do too. too. Nice so guy. do I. I just want the guy to lose some weight. Fair enough. He does too. I know he does. He's, he's still trying, man. and he's trying. Yeah. Exactly. I just didn't know if maybe Drew could. Drew, it's Drew was a big boy. He was a big boy. He's golfer right, body. Three bills, right? At one point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's bills, playing at like two sixty nine. So. Yeah. So that I mean, nice. he's he's done some big things to get himself back in shape. Yeah, and uh, he's overseas right now playing. I was serious about that? You guys are cracking jokes. I want I want Jared some help, and this kid can maybe do it. All right. Well, maybe we'll put them in contact. Exactly. Go ahead. Uh, he's overseas right now playing on one of those traveling all-star teams. Same team. JP, JP McCura did the same thing two summers ago. So I know he's you know getting that type of experience. And then also uh, Jalen Tate. People forget he played the first seven games, right. started the first seven games of the year last year as a true freshman. 
and then had to redshirt right. because of his injury. They get him back, and I think they're really excited with where he is health-wise. So things are looking good over in uh, Highland Heights as well. There you go. All right. Uh, you got a final take, Rick Broy? Yeah, I think the the one last thing, and this isn't, isn't necessarily big, but I just wanted to get one your guys' take big on thing. <laughs> <laughs> SB Nation did a thing where they sent out tweets and Facebook responses. Wanted to know which college basketball team do you hate, and they got 981 votes. And I just thought it was interesting when you start looking. At, obviously, this isn't like a scientific sample size. It's D- just one of those. Duke and Kentucky have to be up there, right? Right. Duke is number one with 144 of okay. the votes. Kentucky is number two with 113 right. okay. votes. Number three is Syracuse. And they only got 51 votes. So there's a significant drop off there. There is. That's, that's, who hates, Syracuse? hates Duke it, and Kentucky? And then. That's a Bayheim factor, right? That's just yeah, the Bayheim wine factor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's just guess who number four is then. I'll go, I'll go Louisville. No. Nope. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was, I was with you on that one. Huh. Nope. Number four. This is recent. Kansas? Nope. UCLA. Nope. Blue Blood, though. Blue blood. Indiana? Nope. North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. With I can, 42. I can see Duke that. Duke fans. Now yeah. guess yeah, who, Exactly. Now here's where the list gets interesting. Okay. Guess who number five is? Xavier. I'll go. Can't be Indiana because they're not really blue blood anymore. This isn't a blue blood. No. Um, they're blue. Uh, There's a bl- blue blob. I'll go Northwestern just because all the whining that kid did in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. <laughs> it is the X-Men of Xavier. That's incredible. Number five what? ever on this list. Why? Because Cincinnati fans got on Twitter and passed the news around on the little circle of Twitter. All right. Cincinnati fans. So begs, where, where's UC then? They are 21st with 11 votes. Okay. 11 Xavier fans, right? Yeah. No, 10 Xavier fans and one um, – who, who might they have beaten that would have pissed them off? Maybe one Louisville fan Maybe from the it. old rivalry that's days. It. Here's the thing. I think with – Hugs. No, 10 hugs. 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 hugs voted. It was actually Hugs. <laughs> I think you see the discrepancy between Xavier and UC where but- Butler was probably in on the Xavier thing, too. They probably really uh, shared good, it around. That's a good call. They, they hate that's them some Xavier, call. too. No, I, no, I know the UC circle that I saw on Twitter the activity of them passing it around and laughing that they were you know voting for Xavier I just, but, or whatever. I mean, to me – But if Butler I'm, makes sense because Butler fans really do like – it's funny how bad they hate it, Xavier. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that Xavier got votes from UC fans, but you wouldn't think that would put them in the top five right. of right. college no, basketball. It, it's hard for us because we're obviously in town. But if, you, if I literally was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, watching college basketball, I would love Xavier just because it's like, look at the, the, the little – there's – Max seems like a likable guy from the out, you know, from an outside view. That players aren't aren't problems. There's no way I could vote them the most hated if I was if I was somebody from the outside. Tough guys on the court. Tough guys on the court. Zip Graduate other kids. I mean, you, you gotta love them. Zip them up. Zip them up. Gotta love them. That does surprise me. Fifth, fifth in a national poll is very surprising. It was a little shocking to see them up there. But, yeah, I think – I mean, again, when you're just doing it on a social media thing like that, yeah. it's what you're saying. It's a group of people got it around in their circle and all went and voted. I hate Oregon State. I don't know why. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Well, I think we need to delve into that at a later time, but it okay. won't be tonight. They're I don't not, see them on this yeah, list. Yeah, I didn't figure they would be. I just – I don't know why. I, I hate Quinnipiac, too, because they do a bunch of polls. I don't like them. All right, what about your final test? Not basketball-related, but, uh, but and you mentioned this kind of pop. Quinnipiac got two votes, by the way. Nice. I will say that. Nice. <laughs> I was not one of them, I promise. <laughs> they got two votes. Uh, you mentioned Jared. It got me thinking uh, while you were talking about that. It's been Bad people? No. It's been really cool to uh, to see Gino come back, Gino Gadulli come back and, and work at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I think you take that stuff for granted a little bit. Um, it was talked about that his dream was to come back here and coach here or whatever, but, and seeing him like the dude is having the time of his life, Good. 
Like he, he's always smiling. He's in a great mood. He was at Central Michigan, right? He was at Central Michigan. He had just been promoted to offensive coordinator at Central Michigan. Which is a big step. It's a big, big step, step for yeah. him. Gina and, Gadulis uh, coach in college basketball? No, I oh. said football. He said he, oh, okay. he said he was deviating. He was actually a good high school basketball player. He though. was. Yeah. Not as good as Lorenzen. No, correct. Or uh, Smith. Smith. Jared Smith. Derek Smith. Derek Smith. Yes. Um, but no, it's been it's been being around football as much as I have been to see a local guy like that kind of realize that dream and come home has been really cool to watch. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, he ch- let's say he chased the dream as a player for yeah. a bit. Was in a bunch of indoor football league crap league things and finally found a an totally different human being. Yeah, that, like, that's great. Like adult Gino, like college Gino. Would, yeah. It was like had a lot of his dad in him. He'd get, in, get into a fight. I wouldn't or, mess with his dad. He, 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 wouldn't mess with his dad I wouldn't mess with his day. dad today. Agreed. Today. Agreed. still think my favorite Dave Gadouli story is they were in Hawaii and a riot broke out. I was there. I was on the field when it broke out. Where, did you see him I did. knocking he was, Samoans he, out? He was clearing the clearing people all over the place. I heard him so he straight I, clock three Samoans and put them did, dead in their tracks. That's where I heard a thing whiz past my ear, and I looked. Somebody threw a food, a baby food jar on the field. Whiz right past my head. The most that insane! Hurt. Oh, no doubt. Because I heard it go. Pfft. I went. What was that? I see it rolling. Baby, full baby food jar. Full. Full. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So you've been dead with just no baby carrots laying <laughs> all over your toes. <laughs> but but it, it's just, it's just been really cool to see like his attitude about it, the way that he's approached it. Like it, it legitimately is like good fulfilling a dream for him. I think it's just a, a cool deal to see a guy come home and a guy that was kind of maligned like. He had he was a very good player, but he had some off the field stuff, the field and he issues. had some detractors. No and doubt. he, you know, he's just a, a family guy now, and has calmed down. He's got some gray. Looks, wow. he's got yeah, yeah. Wow, he's got the uh, the the silver fox thing going, and nice. it's uh, it's a pretty cool deal. I just I think it's been cool. You want to hear my favorite on. Dave Gudeli story? Sure. One time, uh, a girl I was dating waited on him at a bank. And she was a teller, and he comes in, and it's like, ah, oh, you're, you're so beautiful. You, you need to date my son. And she comes back to tell me this story, like I was going to be like, oh, yeah, that's rude or something like that. And I was like, he can have you. Like, I'm, I'm not telling Dave Gadouli what to do with the son. Like, I don't know what you want me to do about that. Yeah, his hand. Have you ever shook his hand? Oh, dude, he, it's, he, I, I, it's unbelievable. He's one of the best. I, yeah, I get the biggest kick out of him. I mean, no, because I value my thumbs. I mean, it's just disproportionate to his body. For those who don't know what his dad, his dad won an actual tough guy. Bare like, knuckles, toughest man in the world. Bare knuckles fighting contest. Toughest man in the world, what, 20-some-odd years yeah. or whatever it was? Yes. He wasn't young then either. No, he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, yeah. maybe, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and he just whipped dudes' asses. I'll leave you with one Dave Gadouli story. This is back when I was – this will tell you how long ago this was. He was a teacher at Ackerman when I was there. Wow. This is when teachers could do certain things. I had one. Do you remember Mike Burns? I do remember Mike Burns. Yeah. yeah. Mike Burns was at Lloyd. He picked yeah. me up and pinned me against a wall Well, Dave didn't do this to me, but I was sitting in class, and one of these guys that uh, had probably one Took over the line too many, came in, popped off to Dave. The next thing I know, kid went through the door on the fly into the lockers, got up, came charging. Before he could charge at him, old Dave Gadouli had him pinned through the locker, was bent in the form of this kid's body. And I thought, whoever this cat is, not messing with him. Finally got to know him over the years, but that was my first experience with him. So. And, and last. Yes. Last negative experience. Last negative. Sure. I, they, everybody that I talked to was in the section in Hawaii. Said all they saw was just Samoans charging and then dropping. This is a disgrace. I've just got a view of Ackerman Elementary, someone being in the no, hallway. Middle. Middle, back in Mid- middle school. Middle sorry, school, middle, yeah. and you just get that view of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Uncle Phil kicking Jazzy Jeff out of the house <laughs> yeah. in the middle of That's Ackerman. It. That's exactly right. Whoa! 
That's exactly right. All right, we will be back uh, next month uh, for our September and then broadcast. We're, then, then we're getting close then we're a to a month one... away from practice. Yes, indeed. So we got a lot and the two angry guys is back too. It is back. Season two. It is back. Hashtag shoot the beaver. You were you were on your A game last week. I appreciate week. that. Thanks very much. Play try try to try to look that game up at some point. Hashtag shoot the beaver. So I'm going to tell you. I right, have a great one. I, I would, but I don't think Sinclair's uh, internet yeah, service will let me get through to that yeah, one. I think your firewall is not allowing. I'll have to wait till I get home. Maybe not. All right, have a good one. We appreciate listening to today's Skinny Podcast with Chad Brendel and Rick Roaring here on Local12.com.